Scene, London. The Constant Couple. Act the First. Scene One. The Park. Enter visit with a letter, his servant following. Angelica send it back unopened, say you? As you see, sir. The pride of these virtuous women is more insufferable than the immodesty of prostitutes. After all my encouragement, to slight me thus. She said, sir, that, imagining your morals sincere, she gave you access to her conversation but that your late behaviour in her company has convinced her that your love and religion are both hypocrisy, and that she believes your letter, like yourself, fair on the outside and foul within, so sent it back unopened. May obstinacy guard her beauty till wrinkles bury it. I'll be revenged the very first opportunity. Saw you the old lady darling, her mother? Yes, sir and she was pleased to say much in your commendation. That's my cue. An esteem grafted in old age is hardly rooted out. Years stiffen their opinions with their bodies, and old zeal is only to be cozened by young hypocrisy. Run to the Lady Lurewells, and know of her maid whether her ladyship will be at home this evening. Her beauty is sufficient cure for Angelica's scorn. Exit Servant Wizard pulls out a book, reads, and walks about. Enter Smuggler. Aye, there's a pattern for the young men over the times, and his meditations over early, some book of pious ejaculations, I am sure. This Hobbs is an excellent fellow. Oh, Uncle Smuggler, to find you at this end of the town is a miracle. I have seen a miracle this morning indeed, cousin Wizard. What is it, pray, sir? A man at his devotion so near the court. I am very glad, boy, that you keep your sanctity untainted in this infectious place. The very air of this park is heathenish, and every man's breath I meet sense of atheism. Surely, sir, some great concern must bring you to this unsanctified end of the town. A very unsanctified concern, truly, cousin. What is it? A lawsuit, boy. Shall I tell you? My ship, the Swan, is newly arrived from St. Sebastian, laden with Portugal wines. Now the impudent rogue of a tide-waiter has the face to affirm it is French wines in Spanish casks, and has indiced upon me the statue. Oh, conscience! Conscience! These tide-waiters and serviers plague us more than the war. Aye, there's another plague of the nation— Enter Colonel Standard. A red coat and cockade. Colonel Standard, I'm your humble servant. Maybe not, sir. Why so? Because I'm disbanded. How? Broke? This very morning in Hyde Park, my brave regiment, a thousand men that looked like lions yesterday, were scattered and looked as poor and simple as the herd of deer that grazed beside them. Talalderal! I'll have a bonfire this night as high as the monument. A bonfire? Thou dry, withered ill-nature! Had not those brave fellow-swords defended you, your house had been a bonfire ere this, about your ears. 
Did we not venture our lives, sir? And we did not pay for your lives, sir. Venture your lives. I'm sure we ventured our money, and that's life and soul to me. Sir, we'll maintain you no longer. Then your wives shall, O Actaeon. There are five and thirty strapping officers gone this morning to live upon free quarter in the city. O oh Lord! O oh Lord! I shall have a son within these nine months, born with a leading staff in his hand. Sir, you are— What, sir? Sir, I say that you are— What, sir? Disbanded, sir. That's all. I see my lawyer yonder. Smuggler, exit. Sir, I'm very sorry for your misfortune. Why so? I don't come to borrow money of you. If you're my friend, meet me this evening at the rummer. I'll pay my foy, drink a health to my king, prosperity to my country, and away for Hungary tomorrow morning. What? You won't leave us? What? A soldier stay here? To look like an old pair of colours in Westminster Hall, ragged and rusty? No, no. I met yesterday a broken lieutenant. He was ashamed to own that he wanted a dinner, but wanted to borrow eighteen pence of me to buy a new scabbard for his sword. Oh, but you have good friends, Colonel. Oh, very good friends. My father's a lord, and my elder brother a beau. Mighty good indeed. But your country may perhaps want your sword again. Nay, for that matter, let but a single drum beat up for volunteers between Ludgate and Charing Cross, and I shall undoubtedly hear it at the walls of Buddha. Come, come, Colonel. There are ways of making your fortune at home. Make your addresses to the fair. You're a man of honour and courage. Aye, my courage is like to do me wondrous service with the fair. This pretty cross-cut over my eye will attract a duchess. I warrant will be a mighty grace to my ogling. Had I used the strategy of a certain brother colonel of mine, I might succeed. What was it, pray? Why, to save his pretty face for the woman, he always turned his back upon the enemy. He was a man of honor for the ladies. Come, come, the loves of Mars and Venus will never fail. You must get a mistress. Prithee, no more, aunt. You have awakened a thought, from which, and the kingdom, I would have stolen away at once. To be plain, I have a mistress. And she's cruel? No. Her parents prevent your happiness? Not that. Then she has no fortune? A large one. Beauty to tempt all mankind, and virtue to beat off their assaults. Oh, Vizard, such a creature. Enter Sir Harry Wildair, crosses the stage singing, with footmen after him. Hey, Day, who the devil have we here? The joy of the playhouse and life of the park. Sir Harry Wildair, newly come from Paris. Sir Harry Wildair? Did not he go a volunteer some three or four years ago? The same. Why, he behaved himself very bravely. Why not? Dost think bravery and gaiety are inconsistent? He's a gentleman of most happy circumstances, born to a plentiful estate, has had a genteel and easy education, free from the rigidness of teachers and pedantry of schools. 
his florid constitution being never ruffled by misfortune nor stinted in its pleasures has rendered him entertaining to others and easy to himself turning all passion into gaiety of humour by which he chooses rather to rejoice with his friends than be hated by any as you shall see enter sir harry wildair ha vizard sir harry who thought to find you out of the rubric so long i thought thy hypocrisy had been wedded to a pulpit cushion long ago sir if i mistake not your face your name is standard sir harry i'm your humble servant come gentlemen the news the news of the town for i'm just arrived why in the city end of the town we are playing the knave to get estates and in the court end playing the fool in spending them just so in paris i'm glad we're grown so modish we are so reformed that gallantry is taken for vice and hypocrisy for religion a la mode de paris again nothing like an oath in the city that's a mistake for my major swore a hundred and fifty last night to a merchant's wife in her bedchamber pshaw this is trifling tell me news gentlemen what lord has lately broke his fortune at the clubs or his heart at new market for the loss of a race what wife has been lately suing in doctor's commons for alimony or what daughter run away with her father's valet what beau gave the noblest ball at bath or had the gayest equipage in town i want news gentlemen faith sir these are no news at all but pray sir harry tell us some news of your travels with all my heart you must know then i went over to amsterdam in a dutch ship i went from thence to london where i was heartily drubbed in battle with the butt end of a swiss musket i thence went to paris where i had half a dozen intrigues bought half a dozen new suits fought a couple of duels and here i am again in statu quo but we heard that you designed to make the tour of italy what brought you back so soon that which brought you into the world and may perhaps carry you out of it a woman what quit the pleasures of travel for a woman ay colonel for such a woman i had rather see her ruelle than the palace of louis le grand there's more glory in her smile than in the jubilee at rome and i would rather kiss her hand than the pope's toe you colonel have been very lavish in the beauty and virtue of your mistress and sir harry here has been no less eloquent in the praise of his now will i lay you both ten guineas apiece that neither of them is so pretty so witty nor so virtuous as mine tis done i'll double the stakes but gentlemen now i think on't how shall we be resolved for i know not where my mistress may be found she left paris about a month before me and i had an account how sir left paris about a month before you yes sir and i had an account that she lodged somewhere in st james's how somewhere in st james's say you ay sir but i know not where and perhaps mayn't find her this fortnight 
Her name, pray, Sir Harry. Ay, ay, her name. Perhaps we know her. Her name? Ay, she has the softest, whitest hand that ever was made of flesh and blood. Her lips so balmy sweet. But her name, sir. Then her neck, and... But her name, sir. Her quality. Then her shape, Colonel. But her name I want, sir. Then her eyes, Vizard. Pshaw, Sir Harry, her name or nothing. Then if you must have it, she's called the lady. But then her foot, gentlemen, oh, she dances to a miracle. Vizard, you have certainly lost your wager. Why, you have certainly lost your senses. We shall never discover the picture unless you subscribe the name. Then her name is Lowell. Sir Death, my mistress. My mistress by Jupiter. Do you know her, gentlemen? I have seen her, sir. Canst tell where she lodges? Tell me, dear Colonel. Your humble servant, sir. Colonel Standard, exit. Nay, hold, Colonel. I'll follow you and will know. Sir Harry runs out. The Lady Lurwell, his mistress. He loves her, but she loves me. But he's a baronet, and I plain vizard. Here's a coach, and I walk on foot. I was bred in London, and he in Paris. That very circumstance has murdered me. Then some stratagem must be laid to divert his pretensions. Enter Wildair. Prithee, Dick, what makes the colonel so out of humour? Because he's out of pay, I suppose. It's life, that's true. I was beginning to mistrust some rivalship in the case. And suppose there were. You know the colonel can fight, Sir Harry. Fight? Pshaw! But he cannot dance, ha? Huh? We contend for a woman, Vizard. Slife, man! If ladies were to be gained by sword and pistol only, what the devil should all we bows do? I'll try him farther. But would not you, Sir Harry, fight for this woman you so much admire? Fight? Let me consider. I love her, that's true. But then I love honest Sir Harry Wilder better. The Lady Lurwell is divinely charming. Right. But then a thrust of the guts or a Middlesex jury is as ugly as the devil. I, Sir Harry, to a dangerous cast for a beau baronet to be tried by a parcel of greasy, grumbling, battering boobies who would hang you purely because you're a gentleman. Aye, but on t'other hand, I have money enough to bribe the rogues with. So, upon mature deliberation, I would fight for her, but no more of her. Prithee, Vizard, cannot you recommend a friend to a pretty mistress, by the by, till I can find my own? You have store, I'm sure. You cunning poaching dogs make surer game than we that hunt open and fair. Prithee now, good Vizard. Let me consider a little. Now love and revenge inspire my politics. Bizard pauses whilst Sir Harry walks, singing. Pshaw! 
thou taking longer studying for a new mistress than a waiter would be in drawing fifty corks i design you good wine you'll therefore bear a little expectation ha sayst thou dear vizard a girl of nineteen sir harry now nineteen thousand blessings light on thee pretty and witty ay ay but her name vizard her name yes she is the softest whitest hand that e'er was made of flesh and blood her lips so balmy sweet well well but where shall i find her man find her but then her foot sir harry she dances to a miracle prithee don't distract me well then you must know this lady's the greatest beauty in town her name's angelica she that passes for her mother is a private bawd and called the lady darling she goes for a baronet's lady no disparagement to your honour sir harry i assure you pshaw hang my honour but what street what house not so fast sir harry you must have my passport for your admittance and you'll find my recommendation in a line or two will procure you very civil entertainment i suppose twenty or thirty pieces handsomely placed will gain the point thou dearest friend to a man in necessity sir harry to his servant here sirrah order my carriage about to st james's i'll walk across the park enter clincher senior here sirrah order my coach about to st james's i'll walk across the park too mr vizard you're most devoted sir i admire the mode of your shoulder knot methinks it hangs very emphatically and carries an air of travel in it your sword knot too is most ornamentally modish and bears a foreign mien gentlemen my brother has just arrived in town so that being upon the wing to kiss his hands i hope you'll pardon this abrupt departure of gentlemen your most devoted and most faithful humble servant clincher exit prithee dost thou know him know him why it is clincher who was apprenticed to my uncle smuggler the merchant in the city what makes him so gay why he is in mourning in mourning yes for his father the kind old man in hevershire t'other day broke his neck of fox-hunting the son upon the news has broke his indentures whipped from behind the counter into the side-box he keeps his coach and liveries brace of geldings leash of mistresses he talks of nothing but wines intrigues plays fashions and going to the jubilee <laughs> how many pounds of bauble must the fellow use in sweetening himself from the smell of hops and tobacco <laughs> in my conscience methought like olivia's lover he stunk of Street. But now for Angelica, that's her name, will to the prince's chocolate house, where you shall write my passport alongs. Exeunt. Scene two. Lady Lurewell's lodgings. Enter Lady Lurewell and her maid Polly. Polly, my pocket book. Let me see. 
Madrid, Paris, Venice, London, ay, London. They may talk what they will of the hot countries, but I find love most fruitful under this climate. In a month's space I have gained, let me see, in primus Colonel Standard. And how will your ladyship manage him? As all soldiers should be managed, he shall serve me till I gain my ends, then I'll disband him. But he loves you, madam. Therefore I scorn him. I hate all that don't love me and slight all that do. Would his whole deluding sex admired me, thus would I slight them all. My virgin and unwary innocence was wronged by faithless men. But now, glance eyes, plot brain, dissemble face, lie tongue, and plague the treacherous kind. Let me survey my captives. The colonel leads the van. Next, Mr. Vizard. He courts me out of the practice of piety, therefore is a hypocrite. Then Clincher. He adores me with orangery, and is consequently a fool. Then my old merchant, Alderman Smuggler, he's a compound of both. Out of which medley of lovers, if I don't make good diversion, what do you think, Polly? I think, madam, I'm like to be very virtuous in your service, if you teach me all those tricks that you use to your lovers. You're a fool, child. Observe this, that though a woman swear, forswear, lie, dissemble, backbite, be proud, vain, malicious, anything, if she secures the main chance, she's still virtuous. That's a maxim. I can't be persuaded, though, madam, but that you really loved Sir Harry Wildair in Paris. Of all the lovers I ever had, he was my greatest plague, for I could never make him uneasy. I left him involved in a duel upon my account. I long to know whether the fop be killed or not. Enter Colonel Standard. Oh, Lord! No sooner talk of killing but the soldier is conjured up. You're upon hard duty, Colonel, to serve your king, your country, and a mistress, too. The latter, I must confess, is the hardest. For in war, madam, we can be relieved in our duty. But in love, he who would take our post is our enemy. Emulation in glory is transporting, but rivals here, intolerable. Those that bear away the prize in arms should boast the same success in love. And, I think, considering the weakness of our sex, we should make those our companions who can be our champions. I once, madam, hoped the honor of defending you from all injuries through a title to your lovely person. But now my love must attend my fortune. My commission, madam, was my passport to the fair, adding a nobleness to my passion. It stamped a value on my love. T'was once the life of honor, but now its winding sheet, and with it must my love be buried. What? Disbanded, Colonel? Yes, Mrs. Parley. Faugh, the nauseous fellow, he stinks of poverty already. Mm, his misfortune troubles me because it may prevent my designs. I'll choose, madam, rather to destroy my passion by absence abroad than have it starved at home. I'm sorry, sir, you have so mean an opinion of my affection as to imagine it founded upon your fortune. 
and to convince you of your mistake here i vow by all that's sacred i own the same affection now as before let it suffice my fortune is considerable no madam no i'll never be a charge to her i love the man that sells himself for gold is the worst of prostitutes now were he any other creature but a man i could love him this only last request i make that no title recommend a fool no office introduce a knave nor red coat a coward to my place in your affections so farewell my country and adieu my love exit now the devil take thee for being so honourable here parley call him back i shall lose half my diversion else now for a trial of skill enter colonel standard sir i hope you'll pardon my curiosity when do you take your journey to-morrow morning early madam so suddenly which way are you designed to travel that i can't yet resolve on pray sir tell me pray sir i entreat you why are you so obstinate why are you so curious madam because what because i i because what madam pray tell me because i design to follow you lady lowell crying follow me by all that's great i ne'er was proud before follow me by heavens thou shalt not what expose thee to the hazards of a camp rather i'll stay and here bear the contempt of fools and worst of fortune you need not shall not my estate for both is sufficient thy estate no i'll turn a knave and purchase one myself i'll cringe to the proud man i undermine i'll tip my tongue with flattery and smooth my face with smiles i'll turn informer office broker nay coward to be great and sacrifice it all to thee my generous fair and i'll dissemble lie swear jilt anything but i'll reward thy love and recompense thy noble passion sir harry <laughs> poor sir harry <laughs> rather kiss her hand than the pope's toe <laughs> what sir harry colonel what sir harry sir harry wildair madam what is he come over ay and he told me but i don't believe a syllable aunt what did he tell you only called you his mistress and pretending to be extravagant in your commendation would vainly insinuate the praise of his own judgment and good fortune in a choice how easily is the vanity of fops tickled by our sex why your sex is the vanity of fops on my conscience i believe so this gentleman because he danced well i pitched on for a partner at a ball in paris and ever since he has so persecuted me with letters songs dances serenading flattery foppery and noise that i was forced to fly the kingdom and i warrant you he made you jealous faith madam i was a little uneasy you shall have a plentiful revenge i'll send him back all his foolish letters songs and verses and you yourself shall carry them to 
will afford you opportunity of triumphing and free me from his further impertinence, for of all men he's my aversion. I'll run and fetch them instantly. Exit. Dear madam, a rare project. Now shall I bait him, like Actaeon, with his own dogs. Well, Mrs. Parley, it is ordered by act of Parliament that you receive no more pieces, Mrs. Parley. "'Tis provided by the same act that you send no more messages by me, good colonel. You must not presume to send any more letters unless you can pay the postage. "'Come, come, don't be mercenary. Take example by your lady. Be honorable.' a day, sir. It shows as ridiculous and haughty for us to imitate our betters in their honor, as in their finery leave honor to nobility that can support it. We poor folks, colonel, have no pretense to it, and truly— I think, sir, that your honor should be cashiered with your leading staff. Tis one of the greatest curses of poverty to be the jest of chambermaids. And to lure well. Here's the packet, colonel, the whole magazine of love's artillery. Gives him the packet. Which, since I have gained, I will turn upon the enemy. Madam, I'll bring you the news of my victory this evening. Poor Sir Harry! <laughs> Exit. To the right about as you were. March, Colonel. <laughs> Vain man who boasts of studied parts and wiles. Nature in us, your deepest art beguiles, stamping deep cunning in our frowns and smiles. You toil for art, your intellects you trace. Woman, without a thought, bears policy in her face. Excellent. End of Act One. Act Two of The Constant Couple by George Farquhar. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Act the Second Scene 1 Clincher Jr.'s Lodgings Enter Clincher Jr. Opening a letter Servant following Clincher Jr. Reads Dear brother, I will see you presently. I have sent this lad to wait on you. He can instruct you in the fashions of the town. I am your affectionate brother, Clincher. Very well. And what's your name, sir? My name is Dicky, sir. Dicky. I, Dicky, sir. Very well. A pretty name. And what can you do, Mr. Dicky? Why, sir, I can powder a wig and pick up a whore. Oh, Lord, oh, Lord, a whore? Why, are there many in this town? Ha, 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 many? There's a question indeed. Harky, sir, do you see that woman there in the pink cloak and white feathers? Aye, sir, what then? Why, she shall be at your service in three minutes, as I'm a pimp. Oh, Jupiter Ammon, why, she's a gentlewoman. A gentlewoman? Why, so they are all in town, sir. Enter Clincher Senior. 
brother welcome to london i thought brother you owed so much to the memory of my father as to wear mourning for his death why so i do fool i wear this because i have the estate and you wear that because you have not the estate you have cause to mourn indeed brother well brother i'm glad to see you fare you well clincher senior going stay stay brother where are you going how natural tis for a country booby to ask impertinent questions hark ye sir is not my father dead ay ay to my sorrow no matter for that he's dead and am not i a young powdered extravagant english heir very right sir why then sir you may be sure that i am going to the jubilee sir jubilee what's that jubilee why the jubilee is faith i don't know what it is why the jubilee is the same thing as our lord mayor's day in the city there will be pageants and squibs and rarey shows and all that sir and must you go so soon brother yes sir for i must stay a month at amsterdam to study poetry then i suppose brother you travel through muscovy to learn fashions don't you brother brother prithee robin don't call me brother sir will do every jot as well oh jupiter ammon why so because people will imagine you have a spice at me but have you seen your cousin angelica yet and her mother the lady darling no my dancing master has not been with me yet how shall i salute them brother pshaw that's easy tis only two scrapes a kiss and your humble servant i'll tell you more when i come from the jubilee come along Excellent. scene two lady darling's house enter sir harry wilder with a letter like light and heat in corporate we lay we blessed the night and cursed the coming day well if this paper kite flies sure i'm secure of my game hmm. the prettiest bordel i have seen a very stately genteel one footman crossed the stage heyday equipage too sdeath i'm afraid i've mistaken the house enter lady darling no this must be the bard by her dignity your business pray sir pleasure madam then sir you have no business here this letter madam will inform you farther mr vizard sent it with his humble service to your ladyship how does my cousin sir i her cousin too that's right procurus again lady darling reads madam earnest inclination to serve sir harry madam court my cousin gentleman fortune your ladyship's most humble servant vizard sir your fortune and quality are sufficient to recommend you anywhere but what goes farther with me is the recommendation of so sober and pious a young gentleman as my cousin vizard 
for right sanctified board of my word. Sir Harry, your conversation with Mr. Vizard argues you a gentleman, free from the loose and vicious carriage of the town. I shall therefore call my daughter. Exit. Now go thy way for an illustrious board of Babylon. She dresses up a sin so religiously that the devil would hardly know it of his making. Enter Lady Darling with Angelica. Pray, daughter, use him civilly. Such matches don't offer every day. Exit Lady Darling. Oh, all ye powers of love, an angel. Is death what money have I got in my pocket? I can't offer her less than twenty guineas, and by Jupiter she's worth a hundred. Tis he, the very same and his person as agreeable as his character of good humour. Pray heaven his silence proceed from respect. How innocent she looks! How would that modesty adorn virtue, when it makes even vice look so charming? By heaven there's such a commanding innocence in her looks, that I dare not ask the question. Now all the charms of real love and faint indifference assist me to engage his heart for mine is lost already. Madam, I... I... Zounds, I cannot speak to her. Oh, hypocrisy, hypocrisy! What a charming sin art thou! He is caught. Now to secure my conquest. I thought, sir, you had business to communicate. Business to communicate? How nicely she words it! Yes, madam, I have a little business to communicate. <laughs> Don't you love singing birds, madam? That's an odd question for a lover. Yes, sir. Why then, madam, here's a nest of the prettiest goldfinches that ever chirped in a cage. Twenty young ones, I assure you, madam. Twenty young ones? What then, sir? Why then, madam, there are... Twenty young ones. Slave, I think twenty is pretty fair. He's mad, sure. Sir Harry, when you have learned more wit and manners, you shall be welcome here again. Angelica, exit. Wit and manners. Egad, now, I conceive there is a great deal of wit and manners in twenty guineas. I'm sure tis all the wit and manners I have about me at present. What shall I do? Enter Clincher Jr. and Dicky. What the devil's here? Another cousin, I warrant ye. Hucky, sir, can you lend me ten or a dozen guineas instantly? I'll pay you fifteen for them in three hours, upon my honour. These London sparks are plaguy impudent. This fellow, by his assurance, can be no less than a courtier. He's rather a courtier by his borrowing. Faith, sir, I hant above five guineas about me. What business have you here, then, sir? For to my knowledge, twenty won't be sufficient. Sufficient? For what, sir? What, sir? Why, for that, sir? What the devil should it be, sir? I know your business, notwithstanding all your gravity, sir. My business? Why, my cousin lives here. I know your cousin does live here, and Vizard's cousin, and everybody's cousin. 
hark ye sir i shall return immediately and if you offer to touch her till i come back i shall cut your throat rascal sir harry exit why the man's mad sure mad sir ay why he's a bow a bow what's that are all madmen bows no sir but most bows are madmen but now for your cousin remember your three scrapes a kiss and your humble servant excellent scene three a street enter sir harry wildair colonel standard following sir harry sir harry i am in haste colonel besides if you're in no better humour than when i parted with you in the park this morning your company won't be very agreeable you're a happy man sir harry who are never out of humour can nothing move your gall sir harry nothing but impossibilities which are the same as nothing what impossibilities the resurrection of my father to disinherit me or an act of parliament against wenching a man of eight thousand pounds per annum to be vexed no no anger and spleen are companions for younger brothers suppose one called you a son of a whore behind your back why then i should call him a rascal behind his back so we're even but suppose you had lost a mistress why then i would get another but suppose you were discarded by the woman you love that would surely trouble you you're mistaken colonel my love is neither romantically honourable nor meanly mercenary tis only a pinch of gratitude while she loves me i love her when she desists the obligation's void but to be mistaken in your opinion sir if the lady lorwell only suppose it had discarded you i say only suppose it and had sent your discharge by me pshaw that's another impossibility are you sure of that why twitter solecism in nature why we are finger in glove sir she dances with me sings with me plays with me swears with me lies with me how sir i mean in an honourable way that is she lies for me in short we are as like one another as a couple of guineas now that i have raised you to the highest pinnacle of vanity will i give you so mortifying a fall as shall dash your hopes to pieces i pray your honour to peruse these papers gives him the packet what is the muster-roll of your regiment colonel no no tis a list of your forces in your last love campaign and for your comfort all disbanded pretty good metaphorical colonel what do you mean read sir read these are the sibyl's leaves that will unfold your destiny so it be not a false deed to cheat me of my estate what care i opening the packet <laughs> my hand to the lady lowell to the lady lowell to the lady lowell what the devil hast thou been tampering with to conjure up these spirits 
a certain familiar of your acquaintance sir read read sir harry reading madam my passion so natural your beauty contending false charms mankind eternal admirer wild air i ne'er was ashamed of my name before what sir harry wilder out of humour <laughs> poor sir harry more glory in her smile than in the jubilee at rome <laughs> but then her foot sir harry she dances to a miracle <laughs> fie sir harry a man of your parts write letters not worth keeping now why should i be angry that a woman is a woman since inconstancy and falsehood are grounded in their natures how can they help it here's a copy of verses too i must turn poet in the devil's name stay steed what's here this is her hand oh the charming characters reading my dear wilder that's i egad this half-bluff colonel <laughs> that's he is the rarest fool in nature <laughs> the devil he is and as such i have used him with all my heart faith i had no better way of letting you know that i lodge at pell-mell lowell colonel i am your most humble servant hold sir you shan't go yet i hadn't delivered half my message upon my faith but you have colonel well well own your spleen out with it i know you're like to burst i am so again <laughs> laugh and point at one another ay with all my heart <laughs> well that's forced sir harry i was never better pleased in all my life by jupiter well sir harry tis prudence to hide your concern when there's no help for it but to be serious now the lady has sent you back all your papers there I was so just as not to look upon them. I'm glad on, sir, for there were some things that I would not have you see. All this she has done for my sake, and I desire you would decline any further pretensions for your own sake. So honest, good-natured Sir Harry, I'm your humble servant. Exit. <laughs> Poor Colonel. Oh, the delight of an ingenious mistress! What a life and briskness it adds to an amour! A legerdemain mistress, who presto pass, and she's vanished. Then, hey, in an instant in your arms again. Sir Harry, going. Enter wizard. Well met, Sir Harry. What news from the island of love? Faith, we have made but a broken voyage by your chart. But now I am bound for another port. I told you the colonel was my rival. The colonel cursed misfortune, another. But the civilest in the world. He brought me word where my mistress lodges. The story's too long to tell you now, for I must fly. What, have you given over all thoughts of Angelica? no no i'll think of her some other time but now for the lady lowell wit and beauty calls 
that mistress never can pall her lover's joys whose wit can whet whene'er her beauty cloys her little amorous frauds all truths excel and make us happy being deceived so well sir harry exit the colonel my rival too how shall i manage there is but one way him in the night will i set a tilting where one cuts t'other's throat and the survivors hanged so there will be two rivals pretty decently disposed of exit scene four lady lurwell's lodgings enter lady lurwell and polly has my servant brought me the money from my merchant no madam he meant alderman smuggler at charing cross who has promised to wait on you himself immediately tis odd that this old rogue should pretend to love me and at the same time cheat me of my money tis well madam if he don't cheat you of your estate for you say the writings are in his hands but what satisfaction can i get of him oh here he comes enter smuggler mr alderman your servant have you brought me any money sir faith madam trading is very dead what with paying the taxes, the losses at sea abroad, and maintaining our wives at home, the bank is reduced very low. Money is very scarce. Come, come, sir, these evasions won't serve your turn. I must have money, sir. I hope you don't design to cheat me. Cheat you, madam? Have a care what you say. I'm an alderman, madam. Cheat you, madam? I have been an honest citizen these five-and-thirty years an honest citizen bear witness parley i shall trap him in more lies presently come sir though i am a woman i can take a remedy what remedy madam you'll go to law will ye i can maintain a suit of law be it right or wrong these forty years thanks to the honest practice of the courts sir i'll blast your reputation and so ruin your credit blast my reputation <laughs> why i am a religious man madam i have been very instrumental in the reformation of manners ruin my credit ah poor woman there is but one way madam you have a sweet leering eye you instrumental in the reformation how i whipped all the popo women out of the parish ah that leering eye ah that lip that lip here's a religious rogue for you now as i hope to be saved i have a good mind to beat the old monster madam i have brought you about two hundred and fifty guineas a great deal of money as times go and come give em me ah that hand that hand that pretty soft white i have brought it but the condition of the obligation is such that whereas that leering eye that pouting lip that pretty soft hand that you understand me you understand i am sure you do you little rogue here's a villain now so covetous that he would bribe me with my own money i'll be revenged upon my word mr alderman you make me blush what do you mean pray see here madam pulls his purse out bus and guinea bus and guinea bus and guinea well mr alderman you have such pretty winning ways that i will <laughs> 
Will you indeed, <laughs> my little cocket? And when, and where, and how? Twill be a difficult point, sir, to secure both our honours. You must therefore be disguised, Mr. Alderman. Pshaw! No matter, I am an old fornicator. I'm not half so religious as I seem to be. You little rogue. Why, I'm disguised as I am. Our sanctity is all outside. All hypocrisy. No man is seen to come into this house after dark. You must therefore sneak in, when tis dark, in woman's clothes. With all my heart, I have a suit on purpose, my little cocket. I love to be disguised. Ecod, I make a very handsome woman. Ecod, I do. Enter servant, who whispers Lady Lurwell. Oh, Mr. Alderman, shall I beg you to walk into the next room? Here are some strangers coming up. Bus and guinea first. Ah, my little cocket. Smuggler, exit. Enter Sir Harry Wildair. My life, my soul, my all that heaven can give. Death's life with thee, without thee, death to live. Welcome, my dear Sir Harry. I see you got my directions. Directions in the most charming manner. Thou dear Machiavell of intrigue. Still brisk and airy, I find, Sir Harry. The sight of you, madam, exalts my air and makes joy lighten in my face. I have a thousand questions to ask you, Sir Harry. Why did you leave France so soon? Because, madam, there is no existing where you are not. Oh, monsieur, je vous suis fort obligé. But where's the court now? At Marley, madam. And where my Count Lavalier? His body's in the church of Notre Dame. I don't know where his soul is. What disease did he die of? A duel, madam. I was his doctor. How do you mean? As most doctors do, I killed him. En cavalier, my dear knight errant. Well, and how, and how? What intrigues, what gallantries are carrying on in the beau monde? I should ask you that question, madam, since your ladyship makes the beau monde wherever you come. Ah, Sir Harry, I've been almost ruined, pestered to death here by the incessant attacks of a mighty colonel. He has besieged me. I hope your ladyship did not surrender, though. No, no, but was forced to capitulate. But since you are come to raise the siege, we'll dance and sing and laugh. And love and kiss? Mon votre chambre? Attends, attends un peu. I remember, Sir Harry, you promised me in Paris never to ask that impertinent question again. Pshaw, madam, that was above two months ago. Besides, madam, treaties made in France are never kept. Would you marry me, Sir Harry? Oh, I do detest marriage. But I will marry you. Your word, sir, is not to be relied on. If a gentleman will forfeit his honour in dealings of business, we may reasonably suspect his fidelity in an amour. My honour in dealings of business? Why, madam, I never had any business in all my life. Yes, Sir Harry. I have heard a very odd story, and am sorry that a gentleman of your figure should undergo the scandal. Out with it, madam. 
why the merchant sir that transmitted your bills of exchange to you in france complains of some indirect and dishonourable dealings who old smuggler ay ay you know him i find i have some reason i think why the rogue has cheated me of above five hundred pounds within these three years tis your business then to acquit yourself publicly for he spreads the scandal everywhere acquit myself publicly i'll drive instantly into the city and cane the old villain he shall run the gauntlet around the royal exchange why he's in the house now sir what in this house ay in the next room then sirrah lend me your cudgel sir harry you won't raise a disturbance in my house disturbance madam oh no 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 i'll beat him with the temper of a philosopher here mrs parley show me the gentleman sir harry exit with parley now shall i get the old monster well beaten and sir harry pestered next term with bloodsheds batteries costs and damages solicitors and attorneys and if they don't tease him out of his good humour i'll never plot again exit scene five another room in the same house enter smuggler oh this damned tide waiter a ship and cargo worth five thousand pounds why tis richly worth five hundred perjuries enter sir harry wildair dear mr alderman i'm your most devoted and humble servant my best friend sir harry you're welcome to england i'll assure you sir there's not a man in the king's dominions i am gladder to meet dear dear mr alderman bowing very low oh lord sir you travellers have the most obliging ways with you there is a business mr alderman fallen out which you may oblige me infinitely by i am very sorry that i am forced to be troublesome but necessity mr alderman ay sir as you say necessity uh, but upon my word sir i am very short of money at present but that's not the matter sir i'm above an obligation that way but the business is i'm reduced to an indispensable necessity of being obliged to you for a beating here take this cudgel a beating sir harry <laughs> i beat a knight baronet an alderman turned cudgel player <laughs> upon my word sir you must beat me or i cudgel you take your choice Fisha, Fisha, you jest. Nay, tis sure as fate. So, Alderman, I hope you'll pardon my curiosity. Sir Harry strikes him. Curiosity? Deuce take your curiosity, sir. What do you mean? Nothing at all. I'm but in jest, sir. Oh, I can take anything in jest. But a man might imagine, by the smartness of the stroke, that you were in downright earnest. Not in the least, sir. Strikes him. Not in the least indeed, sir. Pray, good sir, no more of your jests, for they are the bluntest jests that ever I knew. Sir Harry strikes. I heartily beg your pardon with all my heart, sir. Pardon, sir? 
"'Well, sir, that is satisfaction enough from a gentleman. "'But seriously, now, if you pass any more of your jests upon me, I shall grow angry.' "'I humbly beg your permission to break one or two more.' "'Strikes him.' "'Oh, Lord, sir, you'll break my bones. "'Are you mad, sir? Murder! Felony! Manslaughter!' Sir Harry knocks him down. Sir, I beg you ten thousand pardons, but I am absolutely compelled to it upon my honour, sir. Nothing can be more averse to my inclinations than to jest with my honest, dear, loving, obliging friend, the alderman. Striking him all this while, Smuggler tumbles over and over. Enter Lady Lurwell. Oh, Lord, Sir Harry's murdering the poor old man. Oh, dear, madam, I was beaten in jest till I am murdered in good earnest. Oh, you barbarous man! Now the devil take you, Sir Harry, for not beating him harder. Well, my dear, you shall come at night and I'll make you amends. Here Sir Harry takes snuff. Madam, I will have amends before I leave the place. Sir, how durst you use me thus? Sir? Sir, I say that I will have satisfaction. With all my heart. Sir Harry throws snuff into his eyes. Oh, murder! Blindness! Fire! Oh, madam, madam, get me some water. Water! Fire! Fire! Water! Exit with Lady Lurwell. How pleasant is resenting an injury without passion. Tis the beauty of revenge. No spleen, no trouble shall my time destroy. Life's but a span I'll every inch enjoy. Exit. End of Act Two. Act Three of The Constant Couple by George Farquhar. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Act the Third, Scene One, The Street. Enter Colonel Standard and Wizard. I bring him word where she lodged. I, the civilest rival in the world? Tis impossible. I shall urge it no farther, sir. I only thought, sir, that my character in the world might add authority to my words without so many repetitions. Pardon me, dear Vizard. Our belief struggles hard before it can be brought to yield to the disadvantage of what we love. But what said Sir Harry? He pitied the poor credulous colonel, laughed heartily, flew away with all the raptures of a bridegroom, repeating these lines. A mistress ne'er can pall her lover's joys, whose wit can wet when ne'er her beauty cloys. A mistress ne'er can pale? By all my wrongs he whores her, and I am made their property. Vengeance, Vizard, you must carry a note for me to Sir Harry. What a challenge! I hope you don't design to fight. What? Wear the livery of my king and pocket an affront? Torn abuse to his sacred majesty. 
a soldier's sword visard should start of itself to redress its master's wrong however sir i think it not proper for me to carry any such message between friends i have ne'er a servant here what shall i do there's tom errand the porter that plies the blue posts one who knows sir harry and his haunts very well you may send a note by him here you friend i have now some business and must take my leave i would advise you nevertheless against this affair no whispering now nor telling of friends to prevent us he that disappoints a man of an honourable revenge may love him foolishly like a wife but never value him as a friend nay the devil take him that parts you say i wizard exit enter tom errand did your honour call porter is your name tom errand people call me so and it like your worship do you know sir harry wildair ay very well sir he's one of my best masters many a round half-crown have i had of his worship he's newly come home from france sir go to the next coffee-house and wait for me oh woman woman how blessed is man when favoured by your smiles and how accursed when all those smiles are found but wanton bait to soothe us to destruction Excellent. enter sir harry wildair and clincher senior following sir 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 having some business of importance to communicate to you i would beg your attention to a trifling affair that i would impart to your understanding what is your trifling business of importance pray sweet sir pray sir are the roads deep between this and paris why that question sir because i design to go to the jubilee sir i understand that you are a traveller sir there is an air of travel in the tie of your cravat sir there is indeed sir i suppose sir you bought this lace in flanders no sir this lace was made in norway norway sir yes sir of the shavings of deal boards that's very strange now faith lace made of the shavings of deal boards egad sir you travellers see very strange things abroad very incredible things abroad indeed well i'll have a cravat of the very same lace before i come home but sir what preparations have you made for your journey a case of pocket pistols for the bravos and a swimming girdle why these sir oh lord sir i'll tell you suppose us in rome now away goes i to some ball for i'll be a mighty beau then as i said i go to some ball or some bear baiting tis all one you know then comes a fine italian bonaroba and plucks me by the sleeve signor angel signor angel she's a very fine lady observe that signor angel says she signora says i and trips after her to the corner of a street suppose it russell street here or any other street then you know i must invite her to the tavern i can do no less there up comes her bravo the italian grows saucy and i give him an english douse on the face 
I can box, sir, box tightly. I was apprentice, sir. But then, sir, he whips out his stiletto, and I whips out my bulldog, slaps him through, trips downstairs, turns the corner of Russell Street again, and whips me into the ambassador's train. And there I'm safe as a bow behind the scenes. Is your pistol charged, sir? Only abrasive bullets. That's all, sir. Tis a very fine pistol, truly. Pray, let me see it. With all my heart, sir. Hark ye, Mr. Jubilee, can you digest a brace of bullets? Oh, by no means in the world, sir. I'll try the strength of your stomach, however. Sir, you're a dead man. Presenting the pistol to his breast. Consider, dear sir, I am going to the Jubilee. When I come home again, I am a dead man at your service. Oh, very well, sir. But take heed you are not so choleric for the future. Choleric, sir? Oons, I design to shoot seven Italians in a week, sir. Sir, you won't have provocation. Provocation, sir? Zounds, sir, I'll kill any man for treading upon my corns. And there will be a devilish throng of people there. They say all the princes of Italy will be there. And all the fops and fiddlers in Europe. But the use of your swimming girdle, pray, sir. Oh, Lord, sir, that's easy. Suppose the ship cast away. Now, whilst other foolish people are busy at their prayers, I whip on my swimming girdle, clap a month's provision in my pocket, and sails me away like an egg in a duck's belly. Well, sir, you must pardon me now. I'm going to see my mistress. Exit. This fellow's an accomplished ass before he goes abroad. <laughs> well, this Angelica has got into my heart, and I cannot get her out of my head. I must pay her tot a visit. Exit. Scene two. Lady Darling's house. Enter Angelica, Lady Darling, Clincher Jr., and Dicky. This is my daughter, cousin. Now, sir, remember your three scrapes. Clincher Jr., saluting Angelica. One, two, three, your humble servant. Was that not right, Dicky? I faith, sir. But why don't you speak to her? I beg your pardon, Dicky. I know my distance. Would you have me to speak to a lady at the first sight? Ay, sir, by all means. The first aim is the surest. Now for a good jest to make her laugh heartily. By Jupiter Ammon, I'll give her a kiss. Goes towards her. Enter Wilder, interposing. "'Tis all to no purpose, I told you before. "'Your pitiful five guineas will never do. "'You may go. I'll outbid you.' "'What the devil? The madman's here again.' "'Bless me, cousin, what do you mean? "'Affront a gentleman of his quality in my house?' "'Quality? Why, madam, I don't know what you mean "'by your madmen and your bows and your quality. "'They're all alike, I believe.' "'Pray, sir, walk with me into the next room.' Exit Lady Darling, leading Clincher, Dicky following. Sir, if your conversation be no more agreeable than was the last time, 
I would advise you to make your visit as short as you can. The offences of my last visit, madam, bore their punishment in the commission, and have made me as uneasy till I receive pardon as your ladyship can be till I sue for it. Sir Harry, I did not well understand the offence, and must therefore proportion it to the greatness of your apology. If you would, therefore, have me think it light, take no great pains in an excuse. How sweet must be the lips that guard that tongue! Then, madam, no more of past offences. Let us prepare for joys to come. Let this seal my pardon. Kisses her hand. Hold, sir. One question, Sir Harry, and pray answer plainly. Do you love me? Love you? Does fire ascend? Do hypocrites dissemble? Usurers love gold, or great men flatter it? Doubt these, then question that I love. This shows your gallantry, sir, but not your love. View your own charms, madam, then judge my passion. If your words be real, tis in your power to raise an equal flame in me. Nay, then, I seize. Hold, sir. Tis also possible to make me detest and scorn you, worse than the most profligate of your deceiving sex. Huh. Very odd turn this. I hope, madam, you only affect anger, because you know your frowns are becoming. Sir Harry, you being the best judge of your own designs, can best understand whether my anger should be real or dissembled. Think what strict modesty should bear, then judge of my resentment strict modesty should bear why faith madam i believe the strictest modesty may bear fifty guineas and i don't believe twill bear one farthing more what do you mean sir nay madam what do you mean if you go to that i think now fifty guineas is a fine offer for your strict modesty as you call it i'm afraid you're mad sir why madam you're enough to make any man mad. Steth, are you not a... What, sir? Why, a lady of strict modesty, if you will have it so. I shall never hereafter trust common report, which represented you, sir, a man of honour, wit, and breeding, for I find you very deficient in them all three. Angelica, exit. Now I find that the strictest pretenses which the ladies of pleasure make to strict modesty is the reason why those of quality are ashamed to wear it. Enter wizard. Ah, Sir Harry, have I caught you? Well, and what success? Success? Tis a shame for you young fellows in town here to let the wenches grow so saucy. I offered her fifty guineas, and she was in her airs presently, and flew away in a huff. I could have had a brace of countesses in Paris for half the money, and je vous remercie into the bargain. Gone in her airs, you say? And did you not follow her? Whither should I follow her? Into her bedchamber, man. She went on purpose. You, a man of gallantry, and not understand that a lady is best pleased when she puts on her airs as you call it she talked to me of strict modesty and stuff certainly most women magnify their modesty for the same reason that cowards boast their courage 
because they have least aught. Come, come, Sir Harry, when you make your next assault, encourage your spirits with brisk burgundy. If you succeed, tis well, and if not, you have a fair excuse for your rudeness. I'll go in and make your peace for what's past. Oh, I had almost forgot. Colonel Standard wants to speak with you about some business. I'll wait upon him presently. Do you know where he may be found? In the piazza of Covent Garden, about an hour hence, I promise to see him, and there you may meet him, to have your throat cut. I'll go in and intercede for you. But no foul play with the lady, Vizard. Sir Harry, exit. No fair play, I can assure you. Vizard, exit. Scene 3. The street before Lady Lurwell's lodgings. Clincher Senior and Lurwell, coquetting in the balcony. Enter Standard. How weak is reason in disputes of love! I've heard her falsehood with such pressing proofs that I no longer should distrust it. Yet still my love would baffle demonstration, and make impossibilities seem probable. Looks up. Ha! That fool, too? What, stoop so low as that animal? Tis true, woman once fallen, like cowards in despair, will stick at nothing. There's no medium in their actions. They must be bright as angels, or black as fiends. But now for my revenge. I'll kick her coolly before her face, call her whore, curse the whole sex, and leave her. Goes in. Scene 4. A dining room. Enter Lady Lowell and Clincher Senior. Oh, Lord, sir, it is my husband. What will become of you? Ah, your husband. I shall be murdered. What shall I do? Where shall I run? I'll creep into an oven. I'll climb up the chimney. I'll fly. I'll swim. I wish to Lord I were at the Jubilee now. Can't you think of anything, sir? Think? Not I. I never could think to any purpose in my life. Enter Tom Arund. What do you want, sir? Madam, I'm looking for Sir Harry Wildair. I saw him come in here this morning, and did imagine he might be here still, if he's not gone. A lucky hit. Here, friend, change clothes with this gentleman. Quickly, strip. Aye, aye, quickly strip. I'll give you half a crown to boot. Come here, so. They change clothes. Now slip you, to clinch a senior, downstairs and wait at the door till my husband be gone, and get you to Tom Arund. In there, till I call you. Puts Arund in the next room. Enter Colonel Standard. Oh, sir, are you come? I wonder, sir, how you have the confidence to approach me after so base a trick. Oh, madam, all your artifices won't avail. Nay, sir, your artifices won't avail. I thought, sir, that I gave you caution enough against troubling me with Sir Harry Vildare's company when I sent his letters back by you. Yet you, forsooth, must tell him where I lodged and expose me again to his impertinent courtship. I expose you to his courtship? I lay my life you'll deny it now. 
Come, come, sir, a pitiful lie is as scandalous to a red coat as an oath to a black. You're all lies. First, your heart is false. Your eyes are double. One look belies another, and then your tongue does contradict them all. Madam, I see a little devil just now hammering out a lie in your procranium. As I hope for mercy, he's in the right haunt. Yes, yes, madam. I exposed you to the courtship of your fool clincher, too. I hope your female wiles will impose that upon me also. Clincher? Nay, you're stark mad. I know no such person. Oh, woman in perfection. Not know him? Slife, madam, can my eyes, my piercing jealous eyes, be so deluded? Nay, madam, my nose could not mistake him, for I smelt the fop by his pulvilio from the balcony down to the street. The balcony? <laughs> the balcony! I'll be hanged, but he has mistaken Sir Harry Wildair's footman with a new French livery for a bow. Sdeath, madam! What is there in me that looks like a cully? Did I not see him? No, no, you could not see him. You are dreaming, Colonel. Will you believe your eyes now that I have rubbed them open? Here, you friend. Enter Tom Arundt in Clinch's senior's clothes. This is illusion all. My eyes conspire against themselves. Tis Ledger de Maine. Ledger de Maine. Is that all your acknowledgement for your rude behaviour? Oh, what a curse is it to love as I do. Begone, sir. To Tom Arundt. To your impertinent master, and tell him I shall never be at leisure to receive any of his troublesome visits. Send to me to know when I should be at home. Begone, sir. Exit Tom Arundt. I am sure he has made me an unfortunate woman. Weeps. Nay, then there is no certainty in nature, and truth is only falsehood well disguised. Sir, had not I owned my fond foolish passion, I should not have been subject to such unjust suspicions, but it is an ungrateful return. Weeping. Now, where are all my firm resolves? I hope, madam, you'll pardon me, since jealousy that magnified my suspicion is as much the effect of love as my easiness in being satisfied. Easiness in being satisfied? No, no, sir, cherish your suspicions and feed upon your jealousy. Tis fit meat for your squeamish stomach. With me all women should this rule pursue, who think us false should never find us true. Exit in a rage. Enter Clincher Senior in Tom Aaron's clothes. Well, intriguing is the prettiest, pleasantest thing for a man of my parts. How shall we laugh at the husband when he is gone? How sillily he looks. He's in labour of horns already. To make a colonel a cuckold, twill be rare news for the alderman. All this Sir Harry has occasioned, but he's brave and will afford me a just revenge. Oh, this is the porter I sent the challenge by. Well, sir, have you found him? What the devil does he mean now? Have you given Sir Harry the note, fellow? The note? What note? The letter, Blockhead, which I sent by you to Sir Harry Wildair. Have you seen him? Oh, Lord, what shall I say now? Seen him? Yes, sir. No, sir. 
I have, sir. I have not, sir. The fellow's mad. Answer me directly, sir, or I'll break your head. I know Sir Harry very well, sir. But as to the note, sir, I can't remember a word on it. Truth is, I have a very bad memory. Oh, sir, I'll quicken your memory. Strikes him. Zounds, sir, hold. I did give him the note. And what answer? I mean, I did not give him the note. What, do you banter, rascal? Strikes him again. Hold, sir, hold. He did send an answer. What was it, villain? Why, truly, sir, I have forgot it. I told you that I had a very treacherous memory. I'll engage you shall remember me this month, rascal. Beats him and exit. Enter Lurwell and Polly. Oh, my poor gentleman. And was it beaten? Yes, I have been beaten. But where's my clothes? My clothes. What? You won't leave me so soon, my dear, will ye? Will ye? If ever I peep into the colonel's tent again, may I be forced to run the gauntlet. My clothes, madam. I sent a porter downstairs with them. Did you not meet him? Meet him? No, not I. No, he went out the back door and is clear run away, I'm afraid. Gone, say you, and with my clothes, my fine jubilee clothes. Oh, the rogue, the thief. I'll have him hanged for murder. But how shall I get home in this pickle? I'm afraid, sir, the colonel will be back presently, for he dines at home. Oh, then I must sneak off. Was ever such an unfortunate beau to have his coat well thrashed and lose his coat also? Clincher Senior, exit. Methinks, madam, the injuries you have suffered by men must be very great to raise such heavy resentments against the whole sex. And I think, madam, your anger should only be confined to the author of your wrongs. The author, alas, I know him not. Not know him? Tis odd, madam, that a man should rob you of that same jewel and you not know him. Leave trifling. Tis a subject that always sours my temper. But since, by thy faithful service, I have some reason to confide in your secrecy, hear the strange relation. Some twelve years ago I lived at my father's house in Oxfordshire, blessed with innocence, the ornamental but weak guard of blooming beauty. Then it happened that three young gentlemen from the university coming into the country, and being benighted, and strangers, called at my father's. He was very glad of their company, and offered them the entertainment of his house. Which they accepted, no doubt. Oh, these strolling collegians are never abroad, but upon some mischief. Two of them had a heavy, pedantic air, but the third... Ah, the third, madam. The third of all things, they say, is very critical. He was... But in short, nature formed him for my undoing. His very looks were witty, and his expressive eyes spoke softer, prettier things than words could frame. There will be mischief by and by. I never heard a woman talk so much of eyes, but there were tears presently after. My father was so well pleased with his conversation that he begged their company next day. They consented, and next night, Polly. Ah, uh, next night, madam. 
Next night, I'm afraid, was a night indeed. He bribed my maid with his gold out of her modesty, and me with his rhetoric out of my honour. Lady Lurwell weeps. <sighs> he swore that he would come down from Oxford in a fortnight and marry me. The old bait, the old bait. I was cheated just so myself. <sighs> but had not you the wit to know his name all this while? He told me that he was under an obligation to his companions, of concealing himself then, but that he would write to me in two days and let me know his name and quality. After all the binding oaths of constancy, I gave him a ring with this motto, Love and Honour. Then we parted, and I never saw the dear deceiver more. No, nor never will, I warrant you. I need not tell my griefs, which my father's death made a fair pretense for. He left me sole heiress and executrix to three thousand pounds a year. At last, my love for this single dissembler turned to a hatred of the whole sex, and, resolving to divert my melancholy, I went to travel. Here I will play my last scene, then retire to my country house and live solitary. We shall have that old impotent leecher smuggler here tonight. I have a plot to swinge him and his precise nephew, Wizard. I think, madam, you manage everybody that comes in your way. No, Polly. Those men whose pretensions I found just and honourable, I fairly dismissed, by letting them know my firm resolutions never to marry. But those villains that would attempt my honour, I seldom failed to manage. Why do you think of the colonel, madam? I suppose his designs are honourable. That man's a riddle. There's something of honour in his temper that pleases— I'm sure he loves me too, because he's soon jealous and soon satisfied. But hang him, I have teased him enough. Besides, Polly, I begin to be tired of my revenge, but this bus and guinea I must maul once more. I'll handle his woman's clothes for him. Go, get me pen and ink, I must write to wizard too. Fortune, this once assist me as before. Two such machines can never work in vain as thy propitious wheel and my projecting brain. Exeunt. End of Act 3. Act 4 of The Constant Couple by George Farquhar. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Act the Fourth, Scene One, Covent Garden. Enter Sir Harry Wildair and Colonel Standard. Meeting. I thought, Sir Harry, to have met you ere this in a more convenient place. But since my wrongs were without ceremony, my revenge shall be so too. Draw, sir. Draw, sir? What shall I draw? Come, come, sir. I like your facetious humour well enough. It shows courage and unconcern. I know you brave, and therefore use you thus. Draw your sword. Nay, to oblige you I will draw. But the devil take me if I fight. Perhaps, Colonel, this is the prettiest blade you have seen. I doubt not, but the arm is good and therefore think both worth my resentment. Come, sir. But, prithee, Colonel, dost thou think I am such a madman, 
as to send my soul to the devil and body to the worms upon every fool's errand i hope you're no coward sir coward sir i have eight thousand pounds a year sir you fought in the army to my knowledge i for the same reason that i wore a red coat because twas fashionable sir you fought a french count in paris true sir he was a beau like myself now you're a soldier colonel and fighting's your trade and i think it downright madness to contend with any man in his profession come sir no more dallying i shall take very unseemly methods if you don't show yourself a gentleman a gentleman why <laughs> there again now a gentleman i tell you once more colonel that i am a baronet and have eight thousand pounds a year i can dance sing ride fence understand the languages now i can't conceive how running you through the body should contribute one jot more to my gentility but pray colonel i had forgot to ask you what's the quarrel a woman sir mm, then i put up my sword take her sir my honour's concerned nay if your honour be concerned with a woman get it out of her hands as soon as you can an honourable lover is the greatest slave in nature some will say the greatest fool come come colonel this is something about the lady lurewell i warrant i can give you satisfaction in that affair do so then immediately put up your sword first you know i dare fight but i had much rather make you a friend than an enemy i can assure you this lady will prove too hard for one of your temper you have too much honour too much in conscience to be a favourite with the ladies i'm assured sir she never gave you any encouragement a man can never hear reason with his sword in his hand sheath your weapon and then if i don't satisfy you sheath it in my body give me but demonstration of her granting you any favour and it is enough will you take my word pardon me sir i cannot will you believe your own eyes tis ten to one whether i shall or no they have deceived me already that's hard but some means i shall devise for your satisfaction noise we must fly this place else that cluster of mob will overwhelm us Excellent. enter mob tom errand's wife hurrying in clincher senior in errand's clothes oh the villain the rogue he has murdered my husband oh my poor timothy damn your timothy your husband has murdered me woman for he has carried away my fine jubilee clothes away with him away with him to the thames oh if i had but my swimming girdle now enter constable hold neighbours i command the peace oh mr constable here's a rogue that has murdered my husband and robbed him of his clothes murder and robbery then he must be a gentleman hands off there he must not be abused give an account of yourself are you a gentleman no sir i'm a beau a beau then you have killed nobody i'm persuaded how came you by these clothes sir you must know sir 
And walking along, sir, I don't know how, sir. I can't tell you where, sir. And so the porter and I changed clothes, sir. Very well. The man speaks reason, and like a gentleman. But pray, Mr. Constable, ask him how he changed clothes with him. Silence, woman, and don't disturb the court. Well, sir, how did you change clothes? Why, sir, he pulled off my coat, and I drew off his. So I put on his coat, and he put on mine. Why, neighbour, I don't find that he's guilty. Search him, and if he carries no arms about him, we'll let him go. They search his pockets and pull out his pistols. Gemini, my jubilee pistols. What? A case of pistols? Then the case is plain. Speak, what are you, sir? Whence came you, and whither go you? Sir, I came from Russell Street, and I am going to the jubilee. You shall go to the gallows, you rogue! Away with him, away with him to Newgate, straight. I shall go to the Jubilee now, indeed. Enter Sir Harry Wildair and Colonel Standard. In short, Colonel, tis all nonsense. Fight for a woman. Hard by is the lady's house, if you please. We'll wait on her together. You shall draw your sword. I'll draw my snuff-box. You shall produce your wounds received in war. I'll relate mine by Cupid's dart. You shall swear. I'll sigh. You shall sa-sa, and I'll coupe. And if she flies not to my arms like a hawk to its perch, my dancing-master deserves to be damned. With the generality of women, I grant you, these arts may prevail. Generality of women? Why, there again you're out. They're all alike, sir. I never heard of any one that was particular. But one... Who was she, pray? Penelope, I think she's called. And that's a poetical story, too. When will you find a poet in our age to make a woman so chaste? Well, Sir Harry, your facetious humour can disguise falsehood and make calumny pass for satire. But you have promised me ocular demonstration that she favours you. Make that good, and I shall then maintain faith and female to be as inconsistent as truth and falsehood. But you will be convinced if our plot succeeds. I rely on your word and honour, Sir Harry. Then meet me half an hour hence at the Shakespeare. You must oblige me by taking a hearty glass with me toward the fitting me out for a certain project which this night I undertake. I guess, by the preparation, that woman's the design. Yes, Faith. I am taken dangerously ill with two foolish maladies, modesty and love. The first I'll cure with burgundy, and my love by a night's lodging with the damsel. A sure remedy. Probatum est. I'll certainly meet you, sir. Exeunt severally. Enter Clincher Jr. and Dicky. Ah, Dick, this London is a sad place, a sad, vicious place. I wish that I were in the country again. And this brother of mine? I'm sorry he's so great a rake. 
I had rather see him dead than see him thus. Aye, sir, he'll spend his whole estate at this same jubilee. Who do you think lives at this same jubilee? Who, pray? The Pope. The devil he does. My brother go to the place where the Pope dwells? He's bewitched, sure. Enter Tom Arundt and clinches senior's clothes. Indeed, I believe he is, for he's strangely altered. Altered? Why, he looks like a Jesuit already. This lace will sell. What a blockhead was the fellow to trust me with his coat. If I can get across the garden down to the waterside, I'm pretty secure. Brother? A law? Oh, Gemini, are you my brother? I seize you in the king's name, sir. Oh, Lord, should this prove some parliament man now? Speak, you rogue. What are you? A poor porter, and going of an errand. What errand? Speak, you rogue. A fool's errand, I'm afraid. Who sent you? A bow, sir. No, no. The rogue has murdered your brother, and stripped him of his clothes. Murdered my brother? Oh, criminy. Oh, my poor Jubilee brother. Stay, by Jupiter Ammon, I'm heir, though. Speak, sir, have you killed him? Confess that you have killed him, and I'll give you half a crown. Who I, sir? Alack a day, sir, I never killed any man but a carrier's horse once. Then you shall certainly be hanged, but confess that you killed him, and we'll let you go. Telling the truth hangs a man, but confessing a lie can do no harm. Besides, if the worst comes to the worst, I can but deny it again. Well, sir, since I must tell you, I did kill him. Here's your money, sir, but are you sure you killed him dead? Sir, I'll swear it before any judge in England. But are you sure that he's dead in law? Dead in law? I can't tell whether he be dead in law, but he's as dead as a doornail, for I gave him seven knocks on the head with a hammer. Then you have the estate by statute. Any man that's knocked on the head is dead in law. But are you sure he was compos mentis when he was killed? I suppose he was, sir for he told me nothing to the contrary afterwards. Hey, then I go to the Jubilee. Strip, sir, strip. By Jupiter Ammon, strip. Ah, don't swear, sir. Clincher Jr. puts on his brother's clothes. Swear, sir. Zunes, han't I got the estate, sir? Come, sir, now I'm in mourning for my brother. I hope you'll let me go now, sir. Yes, yes, sir. But you must do the favour to swear positively before a magistrate that you killed him dead, that I may enter upon the estate without any trouble. By Jupiter Ammon, all my religion's gone since I put on these fine clothes. Hey, call me a coach, somebody. Aye, master, let me go, and I'll call one immediately. No, no. Dicky, carry this spark before a justice, and when he has made oath you may discharge him. And I'll go see Angelica. Exeunt, Dicky and Tom. Now that I'm an elder brother, I'll court and swear and rant and rake and go to the jubilee with the best of them. Exit. Scene two. Lady Lurewell's house. Enter Lady Lurewell and Polly. Are you sure that wizard had my letter? Yes, yes, madam. One of your ladyship's footmen gave it to him in the park. And he told the bearer, with all transports of joy, that he would be punctual to a minute. Thus most villains some time or other are punctual to their ruin. Are all things prepared for his reception? Exactly to your ladyship's order. The alderman, too, has just come, dressed and cooked up for iniquity. Then he has got woman's clothes on? Yes, madam, and he has passed upon the family for your nurse. 
convey him into that closet and put out the candles and tell him i'll wait on him presently when he is tired of his situation let the servants pretend they take him for a common rogue come with the intent to rob the house and pump him heartily as polly goes to put out the candles somebody knocks music plays without this must be sir harry tell him i am not to be spoken with sir my lady is not to be spoken with sir harry without i must have that from her own mouth mrs parley play gentlemen music plays again enter sir harry tis too early for serenading sir harry wheresoever love is there music is proper but sir harry what tempest drives you here at this hour no tempest madam but love madam wilder taking her by the hand as pure and white as angels soft desires fierce as when reconsenting beauty fires if this be a love token wilder drops a ring she takes it up your mistress's favours hang very loose about you sir i can't justly madam pay your trouble of taking it up by anything but desiring you to wear it you gentlemen have the cunningest ways of playing the fool and are so industrious in your profuseness speak seriously am i beholden to chance or design for this ring to design upon my honour and i hope my design will succeed shall i be free with you sir harry with all my heart madam so i may be free with you then plainly sir i shall beg the favour to see you some other time for at this very minute i have two lovers in the house then to be as plain i must be gone this minute for i must see another mistress within these two hours frank and free as you with me madam your most humble servant sir harry exit nothing can disturb his humour now for my merchant and wizard lady lurwell exit and takes the candles with her enter polly leading in smuggler dressed in woman's clothes this way mr alderman well mrs polly i am obliged to you for this trouble here are a couple of shillings for you times are hard very hard indeed but next time i'll steal a pair of silk stockings from my wife and bring them to you what are you fumbling about my pockets for only setting the plates of your gown here sir get into this closet and my lady will wait on you presently puts him into the closet runs out and returns with a wizard where wouldst thou lead me my dear auspicious little pilot you're almost in port sir my lady's in the closet and will come out to you immediately let me thank thee as i ought pshaw who has hired me best a couple of shillings or a couple of kisses exit polly proprietor's darkness guides the lover's steps in night that shadows outward sense lights up our inward joy my nephew's voice and certainly possessed with an evil spirit ha i hear a voice madam my life my happiness where are you madam madam he takes me for a woman too i'll try him where have you left your sanctity mr vizard 
Talk no more of that ungrateful subject. I left it where it has only business with daylight. Tis needless to wear a mask in the dark. Well, sir, but I suppose your dissimulation has some other motive besides pleasure? Yes, madam, the honestest motive in the world. Interest. You must know, madam, that I have an old uncle, Alderman Smuggler. You've seen him, I suppose? Yes, yes, I have some small acquaintance with him. Tis the most knavish, precise, covetous old rogue that ever died of the gout. Ah, the young son of a whore. Well, sir, and what of him? Why, madam, he has a swinging estate, which I designed to purchase as a saint and spend like a gentleman. He got it by cheating and should lose it by deceit. By the pretense of my zeal and sobriety, I'll cozen the old miser, and one of these days out of a settlement and deed of conveyance... Smuggler aside. It shall be a deed to convey you to the gallows, then, ye young dog. And no sooner he's dead, but I'll rattle over his grave with a coach and six to inform his covetous ghost how genteelly I spend his money. Smuggler aside. I'll prevent you, boy, for I'll have my money buried with me. Bless me, madam, here's a light coming this way. I must fly immediately. When shall I see you, madam? Sooner than you expect, my dear. Pardon me, dear madam. I would not be seen for the world. I would sooner forfeit my life, my pleasure, than my reputation. Wizard exit. A god, and so would I, too. Smuggler exit. End of Act 4《Act Five of The Constant Couple by George Farquhar. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Act the Fifth, Scene One, Lady Darling's House. Enter Lady Darling and Angelica. Daughter. Since you have to deal with a man of so peculiar a temper, you must not think the general arts of love can secure him. You may, therefore, allow such a courtier some encouragement extraordinary, without reproach to your modesty. I am sensible, madam, that a formal nicety makes our modesty sit awkward, and appears rather a chain to enslave than a bracelet to adorn us. It should show, when unmolested, easy and innocent as a dove, but strong and vigorous as a falcon when assaulted. I'm afraid, daughter, you mistake Sir Harry's gaiety for dishonour. Though modesty, madam, may wink, it must not sleep when powerful enemies are abroad. I must confess that, of all men's, I would not see Sir Harry Wilder's faults. You must certainly be mistaken, Angelica, for I'm satisfied Sir Harry's designs are only to court and marry you. His pretence, perhaps, was such. Pray, madam, by what means were you made acquainted with his designs? means child why my cousin vizard who i'm sure is your sincere friend sent him he brought me this letter from my cousin lady darling gives her the letter which she opens ha vizard then i'm abused in earnest would sir harry by his instigation fix a base affront upon me no i can't suspect him of so ungenteel a crime 
this letter shall trace the truth. My suspicions, madam, are much cleared, and I hope to satisfy your ladyship in my management when I next see Sir Harry. Enter servant. Madam, here's a gentleman below calls himself Wildare. Conduct him up. Exit servant. Daughter, I won't doubt your discretion. Exit Lady Darling. Enter Sir Harry Wildare. Oh, the delights of love and burgundy. Madam, I have toasted your ladyship fifteen bumpers successively and swallowed cupids like loaches through every glass. And what then, sir? Why then, madam, the wine has got to my head and the cupids into my heart. And unless by quenching quick my flame you kindly ease the smart, I'm a lost man, madam. Drunkenness, Sir Harry, is the worst pretense a gentleman can make for rudeness, for the excuse is as scandalous as the fault. Therefore, pray consider who you are so free with, sir. A woman of condition that can call half a dozen footmen upon occasion. Nay, madam, if you have a mind to toss me in a blanket, half a dozen chambermaids would do better service. Hmm, come, come, madam, though the wine makes me lisp, Yet it has taught me to speak plainer. By all the dust of my ancient progenitors, I must this night rest in your arms. Nay, then. Who waits there? Enter footman. Take hold of that madman and bind him. Nay, then. Burgundy is the word. Slaughter will ensue. Hold! Do you know, scoundrels? that I have been drinking Victoria's Burgundy. Sir Harry draws. We know you're drunk, sir. Then how have you the impudence, rascals, to assault a gentleman with a couple of flasks of courage in his head? We must do as our young mistress commands us. Nay, then, have among ye, dogs. Throws money among them, they scramble and take it up, he pelting them out, shuts the door, and returns. Rascals! Poltroons! I have charmed the dragon, and now the fruit's my own. I have put the whole army to flight, and now I'll take the general prisoner. Laying hold on her. I conjure you, sir, by the sacred name of honour, by your dead father's name, and the fair reputation of your mother's chastity, that you offer not the least offence. Already you have wronged me past redress. Thou art the most unaccountable creature. What madness, Sir Harry, what wild dream of loose desire could prompt you to attempt this baseness? View me well. The brightness of my mind, methinks, should lighten outwards and let you see your mistake in my behaviour. A million to one now, but this girl has just come flushed from reading the rival queens. <laughs> Egad, I'll at her in her own cant. Oh, my Statira, oh, my angry dear, turn thy eyes on me, behold thy bow in buckskins. Behold me, sir, view me with a sober thought, free from those fumes of wine that throw a mist before your sight. 
and you shall find that every glance from my reproaching eyes is armed with sharp resentment and with a virtuous pride that looks dishonour dead this is the first whore in heroics that i have met with looky madam as to that slender particular of your virtue we shan't quarrel about it you may be as virtuous as any woman in england if you please but pray madam be pleased to consider what is this same virtue that you make such a mighty noise about can your virtue keep you a coach and six no no your virtuous women walk on foot can your virtue stake you for a piquet no then what business has a woman with virtue come come madam i offered you fifty guineas there's a hundred devil virtuous still why it is a hundred five score a hundred guineas oh indignation were i a man you durst not use me thus but the mean poor abuse you throw on me reflects upon yourself our sex still strikes an awe upon the brave and only cowards there from the woman affront step madam a hundred guineas will set you up a bank at basset a hundred guineas will furnish out your closet with china a hundred guineas will give you an air of quality a hundred guineas will buy you a rich cabinet for your billet-doux or a fine common prayer-book for your virtue a hundred guineas will buy a hundred fine things and fine things are for fine ladies and fine ladies are for fine gentlemen and fine gentlemen are egad this burgundy makes a man speak like an angel come come madam take it and put it to what use you please i'll use it as i would the base unworthy giver thus angelica throws down the purse and stamps upon it i have no mind to meddle in state affairs but these women will make me a parliament man in spite of my teeth on purpose to bring in a bill against their extortion she tramples underfoot that deity which all the world adores oh the blooming pride of eighteen Chaw! i'll talk to her no longer i'll make my market with the old gentlewoman she knows business better goes to the door here you friend pray desire the old lady to walk in huggy again madam i'll tell your mother enter lady darling well sir harry and how do you like my daughter pray like her madam hucky will you take it why faith madam take the money i say or gads are all's out all shall out sir you are a scandal to the name of gentleman with all my heart madam in short madam your daughter has used me somewhat too familiarly though i have treated her like a woman of quality how sir why madam i have offered her a hundred guineas a hundred guineas upon what score upon what score lord lord how these old women love to hear body why faith madam i have never a double entendre ready at present but i suppose you know upon what score 
Hold, sir, stop your abusive tongue, too loose for modest ears to hear. Madam, I did before suspect that his designs were base. Now they're too plain. This knight, this mighty man of wit and humor, is made a tool to a knave. Vizard has sent him, on a bully's errand, to affront a woman. But I scorn the abuse, and him that offered it. How, sir, come to affront us? Do you know who we are, sir? Know who you are? Why, your daughter there is Mr. Vizard's cousin, I suppose. And as for you, madam, I suppose your ladyship to be one of those civil, obliging, discreet old gentlewomen who keep their visiting days for the entertainment of their presenting friends, whom they treat with imperial tea, a private room, and a pack of cards. Now I suppose you do understand me. This is beyond sufferance. But say, thou abusive man, what injury have you ever received from me or mine thus to engage you in this scandalous aspersion? Yes, sir, what cause, what motives could induce you thus to debase yourself below your rank? Hey, day! Now, dear Roxana, and you, my fair Statira, be not so very heroic in your style. Vizard's letter may resolve you and answer all the impertinent questions you have made me. We, we appeal, appeal to, to that. And I'll stand to it. He read it to me, and the contents were pretty plain, I thought. Here, sir, peruse it, and see how much we are injured, and you deceived. Sir Harry, opening the letter. But hold, madam. To Lady Darling. Before I read, I'll make some condition. Mr. Vizard says here that I won't scruple thirty or forty pieces, now, madam, if you have clapped in another cipher to the account, and made it three or four hundred, egad, I'll not stand to it. The letter, sir, shall answer you. Well, then. Sir Harry reads. Out of my earnest inclination to serve your ladyship and my cousin Angelica, I, I, the very words, I can say it by heart. I have sent Sir Harry Wilder to... What the devil's this? Sent Sir Harry Wilder to court my cousin? He read me quite a different thing. He's a gentleman of great parts and fortune. He's a son of a whore and a rascal, and would make your daughter very happy. Whistles. In a husband. Sir Harry looks foolish and hums a song. Oh, poor Sir Harry, what have thy angry stars designed? Now, sir, I hope you need no instigation to redress our wrongs, since even the injury points the way. Think, sir, that our blood for many generations has run in the purest channel of unsullied honour. I, madam. Bows to her. Consider what a tender flower is woman's reputation, which the least air of foul detraction blasts. Yes, madam. Bows to the other. Call then to mind your rude and scandalous behaviour. Right, madam. Bows again. Remember the base price you offered me. Angelica, exit. Very true, madam. Was ever man so catechized? 
and think that vizard villain vizard caused all this yet lives that's all farewell stay madam one word is there no other way to redress your wrongs but by fighting only one sir which if you can think of you may do you know the business i entertained you for i understand you madam exit lady darling here am i brought to a very pretty dilemma i must commit murder or commit matrimony which is the best now a license from doctor's commons or a sentence from the old bailey if i kill my man the law hangs me if i marry my woman i shall hang myself but damn it cowards dear fight i'll marry that's the most daring action of the two exit scene two newgate clincher senior solos how severe and melancholy are newgate reflections last week my father died yesterday i turned a bow today i am laid by the heels and tomorrow shall be hung by the neck i was agreeing with a bookseller about printing an account of my journey from france and italy but now the history of my travels must be through holborn to tyburn the last dying speech of beau clincher that was going to the jubilee come a half penny apiece a sad sound a sad sound faith tis one way to make a man's death make a great noise in the world enter tom errand a reprieve a reprieve thou dear dear damned rogue where have you been thou art the most welcome son of a whore where's my clothes sir i see where mine are come sir strip sir strip sir you cannot master me for i am twenty thousand strong exeunt struggling scene three lady darling's house enter sir harry wilder with cards servants following here fly all round and bear these as directed you to westminster you to st james's and you into the city tell all my friends a bridegroom's joy invites their presence tell them i am married if any ask to whom make no reply but tell them that i am married that joy shall crown the day and love the night be gone fly enter colonel standard a thousand welcomes friend my pleasure's now complete since i can share it with my friend brisk joy shall bound from me to you then back again and like the sun grow warmer by reflection you are always pleasant sir harry but this transcends yourself whence proceeds it canst thou not guess my friend whence flows all earthly joy what is the life of man and soul of pleasure woman what fires the heart with transport and the soul with raptures 
lovely woman what is the master stroke and smile of the creation but charming virtuous woman methinks my friend you relish not my joy what is the cause canst thou not guess what is the bane of man and scourge of life but woman what is the heathenish idol man sets up and is damned for worshipping treacherous woman woman whose composition inverts humanity their bodies heavenly but their souls are clay come come colonel this is too much i know your wrongs received from lurwell may excuse your resentment against her but it is unpardonable to charge the failings of a single woman upon the whole sex i have found one whose virtues so have i sir harry i have found one whose pride's above yielding to a prince and if lying dissembling perjury and falsehood be no breaches in a woman's honour she is as innocent as infancy well colonel i find your opinion grows stronger by opposition i shall now therefore waive the argument and only beg you for this day to make a show of complaisance at least here comes my charming bride enter lady darling and angelica colonel standard saluting angelica i wish you madam all the joys of love and fortune enter clincher junior gentlemen and ladies i'm just upon the spur and have only a minute to take my leave whither are you bound sir bound sir i'm going to the jubilee sir bless me cousin how came you by these clothes clothes ha 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 the rarest jest ha 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 i shall burst by juberter ammon i shall burst what's the matter cousin the matter ha <laughs> why an honest porter ha 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 has knocked out my brother's brains ha 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 a very good jest faith ha ha sir but the best jest of all is he knocked out his brains with a hammer and so he is as dead as a door-nail <laughs> and do you laugh wretch laugh <laughs> let me see e'er a younger brother in england that won't laugh at such a jest you appeared a very sober pious gentleman some hours ago pshaw i was a fool then but now madam i'm a wit i can rake now as for your part madam you might have had me once but now madam if you should fall to eating chalk or gnawing the sheets it is none of my fault now madam i have got an estate and i must go to the jubilee enter clincher senior in a blanket must you so rogue must ye you will go to the jubilee will you a ghost a ghost send for the dean and chapter presently a ghost no no sirrah i am an elder brother rogue i don't care a farthing for that i'm sure you're dead in law why so sirrah why so because sir i can get a fellow to swear he knocked out your brains an odd way of swearing a man out of his life smell him gentlemen he has a deadly scent about him truly the apprehensions of death may have made me savour a little Oh, Lord, the Colonel, the apprehension of him may make me savour worse, I'm afraid. In short, sir, were you a ghost, or brother, or devil, 
I will go to the Jubilee by Jupiter Ammon. Go to the Jubilee? Go to the Bear Garden. Get you to your native plow and cart. Converse with animals like yourself, sheep and oxen. Men are creatures you don't understand. Enter a servant who whispers wilder. Let them alone, Colonel. Their folly will be now diverting. Come, gentlemen, we'll dispute this point some other time. Sir Harry to Lady Darling. Madam, shall I beg you to entertain the company in the next room for a moment? With all my heart. Come, gentlemen. Exeunt all but wilder. A lady to inquire for me? Who can this be? Enter Lady Lurwell. Oh, madam, this favour is beyond my expectation to come uninvited to dance at my wedding. What do you gaze at, madam? A monster. If thou art married, thou art the most perjured wretch that e'er avouched deceit. Hey, day! Why, madam, I'm sure I never swore to marry you. I made indeed a slight promise upon condition of your granting me a small favour, but you would not consent, you know. How he upbraids me with my shame! Can you deny your binding vows when this appears a witness against your falsehood? Lady Lurwell shows a ring. Methinks the motto of this sacred pledge should flash confusion in your guilty face. Read, read here the binding words of love and honour, words not unknown to your perfidious tongue, though utter strangers to your treacherous heart. The woman stuck, staring mad, that's certain. Was it maliciously designed to let me find my misery when past redress? To let me know you, only to know you false? Had not cursed chance showed me the motto I had been happy, the first knowledge I had of you was fatal to me. And this second, worse. What the devil is all this? Madam, I'm not at leisure for raillery at present. I have weighty affairs upon my hands. The business of pleasure, madam. Any other time? Going. Stay, I conjure you, stay. Faith, I can't. My bride expects me. But, hark ye, when the honeymoon is over, about a month or two hence... I may do you a small favour. Sir Harry, exit. Grant me some wild expressions, heavens, or I shall burst. Woman's weakness, man's falsehood, my own shame and love's disdain, at once swell up my breast. Words, words, or I shall burst. Enter Colonel Standard. Stay, madam. You need not shun my sight. For if you are perfect woman, you have confidence to outface a crime, and bear the charge of guilt without a blush. The charge of guilt? What, making a fool of you? I have done it, and glory in the act, dissembling to the prejudice of man, is virtue, and every look, or sign, or smile, or tear that can deceive, is meritorious. Very pre-principles, truly. If there be truth in woman... "'Tis now in thee. Come, madam, you know that you're discovered, "'and being sensible that you cannot escape, "'you would now turn to bay. "'That ring, madam, proclaims you guilty.' "'Oh, monster, villain, perfidious villain, has he told you?' "'I'll tell it you, and loudly, too.' 
Oh, name it not. Yet speak it out. Tis so just a punishment for putting faith in man that I will bear it all. Speak now what his busy scandal and your improving malice both dare utter. Your falsehood can't be reached by malice nor by satire. Your actions are the justest libel on your fame. Your words, your looks, your tears, I did believe in spite of common fame. Nay, gain my own eyes, I still maintained your truth. I imagined Wildair's boasting of your favors to be the pure result of his own vanity. At last he urged your taking presence of him as a convincing proof of which you yesterday from him received that ring, which ring that I might be sure he gave it, I lent him for that purpose. Ha! You lent it him for that purpose? Yes, yes, madam, I lent it him for that purpose. No denying it, I know it well, for I have worn it long, and desire it now, madam, to restore it to the just owner. The just owner? Think, sir, think but of what importance tis to own it. If you have love and honour in your soul, tis then most justly yours. If not, you are a robber and have stolen it basely. Ha! Your words, like meeting flints, have struck a light to show me something strange. But tell me instantly, is not your real name manly? Answer me first. Did not you receive this ring about twelve years ago? I did. And were not you about that time entertained two nights at the house of Sir Oliver Manley in Oxfordshire? I was. I was. Runs to her and embraces her. The blessed remembrance fires my soul with transport. I know the rest. You are the charming she. And I, the happy man. How has blind fortune stumbled on the right? But where have you wandered since? "'Twas cruel to forsake me. "'The particulars of my fortune are too tedious now. "'But to discharge myself from the stain of dishonour, "'I must tell you that immediately upon my return to the university "'my elder brother and I quarrelled. "'My father, to prevent further mischief, posts me away to travel. "'I wrote to you from London, "'but fear the letter came not to your hands. "'I never had the least account of you by letter or otherwise.' Three years I lived abroad, and at my return found you were gone out of the kingdom, though none could tell me whither. Missing you thus, I went to Flanders, served my king till the peace commenced, then fortunately going on board at Amsterdam, one ship transported us both to England. At the first sight I loved, though ignorant of the hidden cause. You may remember, madam, that talking once of marriage, I told you I was engaged. To your dear self, I meant. Then men are still most generous and brave, and, to reward your truth, an estate of three thousand pounds a year waits your acceptance. And, if I can satisfy you in my past conduct, I shall expect the honourable performance of your promise, and that you will stay with me in England. Stay, nor fame nor glory e'er shall part us more. My honour can be nowhere more concerned than here. Enter Sir Harry Wildair and Angelica. Oh, Sir Harry, fortune has acted miracles today. The story is strange and tedious, but all amounts to this. That woman's mind is charming as her person, and I am made a convert, too, to beauty. I wanted only this to make my pleasure perfect. 
Enter Smuggler. So, gentlemen and ladies, I am glad to find you so merry. Is my gracious nephew among ye? Sir, he dares not show his face among such honourable company, for your gracious nephew is... Water, have a care what you say. A villain, sir. With all my heart, I'll pardon you the beating me for that very word. And pray, Sir Harry, when you see him next, tell him this news for me, that I have disinherited him, that I will leave him as poor as a disbanded quartermaster. Oh, Sir Harry, he is as hypocritical. As yourself, Mr. Alderman. How fares my good old nurse, pray, sir? Come, Mr. Alderman, for once let a woman advise. Would you be thought an honest man, banish covetousness, that worst gout of age? Avarice is a poor pilfering quality of the soul, and will as certainly cheat as a thief would steal. Would you be thought a reformer of the times, be less severe in your censures, less rigid in your precepts, and more strict in your example? Right, madam. Virtue flows freer from imitation than compulsion, of which, colonel, your conversion and mine are just examples. In vain are musty morals taught in schools by rigid teachers and as rigid rules, where virtue with a frowning aspect stands and frights the pupil from its rough commands. But woman, charming woman, can true converts make. We love the precept for the teacher's sake. Virtue in them appears so bright, so gay, we hear with transport and with pride obey. Exeunt omnes. The end. End of Act 5. End of The Constant Couple by George Farquhar.